This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com BE. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to-do list. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. I just want to take a minute and remind you to check out conradchallenge.org and look at the kinds of things you can do to support students. The Conrad Challenge is really about facilitating 21st century skills of creativity, collaboration, critical thinking, communication. So go and check that out at conradchallenge.org. And if you missed my interview with Nancy Conrad, Go check that out as well at transformativeprincipal.org slash Nancy Conrad. My name is Jennifer Cronk from the Assist Learning Podcast. I'm a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am so excited to have Robin Harris on the podcast today. She is a principal in Anchorage at Whaley School, and I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Thank you so much for listening to Transformative Principle. And if you enjoy this show, please take a moment to leave a rating and a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure that we can help other people learn from these amazing educators that I'm so fortunate to interview every week. Here's my interview with Robin Harris. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am so excited to have Robin Harris on episode 250 with you. And Robin, thank you so much for being part of Transformative Principle. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I love it when I get to hear about cool schools and the neat things they're doing. And then I get to meet their principals. And that is what happened with you. And you are the principal of Whaley School. And can you tell us a little bit about Whaley School in Anchorage, Alaska? Yes, uh, we are a separate day school for students with acute behavioral um, needs. And we have a small group of students of about 100 to 110 um, with a pretty large staff. So we have pretty huge support for our students at school. Um, We're very unique in the Anchorage School District and I believe in the state. We are the student's least restricted environment, meaning the student may not be able to handle 
their behaviors because of one reason or another. Sometimes it's academic, sometimes it's other environmental factors. And so an IEP team comes together and decides where the student would best benefit at the time. And they decide Whaley and they come to our school and we give them some strategies and tools that they can take back to their neighborhood schools once we transition them back. Some of our students do stay with us through graduation which is perfectly fine, but our my whole goal is to get them back to a neighborhood school so that they can experience what that is through middle school or high school. This year, well, last year, we just added on an elementary component. We only have one classroom. Our sister school, which was an elementary school, closed down and they dispersed all the students to four other elementary schools except for the most intense students. And so we received those students. And so now I consider myself a K-12 principal. Exciting. Awesome. So what does it mean to be a separate day school? What is that? Again, like I was saying before, we're a school that an IEP team would come together and say, students need more support. Their behaviors are such that a neighborhood school may not be able to support that at the time. So they come to ours. There are many different levels for students. For instance, a level one student has no supports. He's in the general education population. He doesn't have any accommodations, modifications. A level two student may have some accommodations or modifications, but they are still out into their general classes with uh, general education teachers. A level three student may have some supports in a resource type classroom and also in their general ed classrooms, they may have some teacher assistant support. And then when you get to my school, I'm a level four school, which is considered the separate day school. All of our students are 100% special education population. So they are not with their um, like peers, same age peers. And then there's a level five, which then goes into residential treatment centers for one reason or another. So we are considered that level four school within the Anchorage School District. So When you have this kind of a situation, you're not just a school that has a, you don't have a different schedule or you don't go on certain days. You're just like a regular school, but just with 100% student, special education student population. Is that right? Exactly. Our students are able to access the general school, the neighborhood school, you you would say, if they are t- they want to participate in, say, a sport or a club or something of that nature. We do not have those at our school. We do offer similar things, but we don't have like a football team. Um, we don't have a chess club. Sometimes we'll do like a lunchtime chess. Our students are bus door to door, meaning the bus will come right to their home and they'll hop on the bus and then they'll bring them to their home after school. And so we have them bus from all over the Anchorage School District coming to our school. And again, they are eligible to participate in those sports. Sometimes a parent is requested to go with them to make sure that if they get frustrated, you know, they they do not cause any types of trouble and they try to work through that. Sometimes it's our staff members that go with them to these outside activities to help them work through some of those things as well. But we want to get them kind of used to what's happening at the neighborhood school so that they can transition into that school uh, pretty smoothly. Okay. And so, you know, one of the big pushes in education across the country and some states even have policies that there's no more pullout or seclusion of students with special needs and that everybody is in a general ed setting with inclusion, things like that. Tell me 
why your school still exists how it does and isn't following that model of inclusion? I think because we had our sister school and our school as well, that has just been something, a school that has been in place historically. They have built those in four different schools for our elementary kiddos with those intense needs. They are in the neighborhood schools. However, they are probably set up in a way that they're at a, a certain area of that school. Um, but they are, it's just starting. They're new to doing this within the last couple of years since Mount I's closure, which again was our sister school. And with our high school students, I think that Some of the behavioral needs are so intense that the staff members at the neighborhood schools do not have that support to be able to handle those pretty deep behaviors that happen with students. So we have continued. We try to do as much inclusion as we can. Our staff, my model is always, you know, working through the problem, processing with the problem. You know, seclusion is our very, very last resort. Our numbers have come down significantly over the last eight years that I've been principal at Whaley School. It seems like almost each year they're coming down at least 50% as we go through. I would love to have zero percent so that our students would be able to go back to their neighborhood schools and then my staff would be able to be those experts that could go into the neighborhood schools to work with our students that have those profound behaviors that still need that support in the classroom. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about some of the strategies that you use to help students manage those behaviors? And like just to just to be clear, we're talking about severe behaviors that could include hitting, biting, punching, fighting with adults, with students and things like that. Right. And so like, I just want to make sure people understand this is not just a kid who can't sit still in, in class, but these are students that have shown to be possibly causing harm to other students and adults at a previous school. Is that right? Yes. The reason why they're coming to us is because of the physical aggression that they are showing towards either staff or students, sometimes themselves, or that verbal aggression, which is more threats towards either students or staff or something of that nature. So those are the students that we are working with to try and change those behaviors and give them some strategies and tools so that they can take them back to their neighborhood school. Some of our strategies that we use is we have a what's called a CR hallway, which is crisis recovery hallway. And our students will go into there if they have an issue leaving class for one reason or another, whether it's cursing at a staff member or another student or pushing a chair or table or something of that nature. And they go down and talk with one of our intervention coaches who are very knowledgeable with uh, behavior. So they are highly trained staff members that try to walk them through that crisis cycle, um, the conflict cycle with you know, whomever that may be with, whether it's a student or a staff member. And we always want to give them the tools to think about what kinds of things are you going to do when you go back? If the same scenario happens again, let us know. And so we try to get them to verbalize so that they're understanding what kinds of things that they can do when they get back. And it's not always ignoring. When I first started, it was like, well, I could ignore them. Well, understandably, you can't ignore them because that's why you're here because you can't ignore that behavior. So What other things can you do to try and get yourself away from this situation? And so we want them to be able to advocate for themselves so that they can change those behaviors when they get back to their classroom situation. Yeah. You know, a lot of times in in special ed, we talk about trying to help kids uh, 
figure out how to manage and deal with those behaviors when it's a behavior issue or come up to grade level when it's a grade and academic issue. And that's one thing that you, when I was talking to you this summer, were getting really excited about is how you set kids up to be successful and and how you you take them as they are and there's lots of challenges and you don't let them like walk all over your staff at school. But at the same time, you can't be suspending these students for things that they would typically get suspended for. So can you talk a little bit about that culture of, I guess, forgiveness is the best way to describe that and and talk a little bit about that? Definitely. Our school is um, no suspensions unless arguably I cannot avoid that, which would be a possible assault on a staff member or something of that nature. But our students have at their neighborhood school been suspended probably multiple times out of the school year. So they're also losing out on their academic time because they're not in school. And then uh, the loss of the academics then leads to them feeling overwhelmed maybe in the classroom because they're not understanding what's happening because of that loss of time that they've had in the classroom. So we try to give them the we do give them the same exact curriculum that the Anchorage School District and all of their neighborhood schools offer. For instance, all of our high school students will receive the same types of credits as, let's say, East High School or West High School, Diamond High School. They will receive the same types of classes. They're required to meet the same, you know, the expectations as any other high school student. Same goes with our middle school and our elementary school as well. We also do have a uh, four life skills classroom, which range in different certifications with our students from cognitive impairment to autism. We have some that are nonverbal as well. And so all of their communication becomes behavior uh, because we're trying to understand what they need to meet their needs or their wants. And so we're trying to figure those things out. But we also use the same district curriculum that all the life skills classes do across the district. So what I like to do is try to get our students to figure out what their passions are. Um, We've worked on Genius Hour last year and this year, or, you know, passion projects, if you will. And we're trying to implement more technology because our students, you know, just like every other student, they're very tech savvy. And so to utilize those tools in order to continue to move forward within their um, academic progress is what we want to do. So, yeah. So let's talk about some of those programs that you have to support students to get them back into the, into the neighborhood school. What are some of the things that you, that you do? You talked a little bit about the intervention coaches. Let's talk a little bit more about them. Okay. Um, We do have one intervention coach in every single one of our classrooms. And then down in the crisis recovery hallway, we have three that house our CR room, which is they have a one, two step process. And then if a student comes down there for the third time, they go into the other intervention coaches room, which is in school suspension is what they used to call it. But I call it interventions with strategies and support. Um, (laughs) Even. (laughs) Even when I was at uh, Wendler Middle School as an assistant principal, those were the terms that I used for ISS because I felt like what we need to do so there's no recidivism is to teach them strategies, teach our students strategies so that they can get back into their classroom positively. So how are we going to stop them from coming back into ISS? Well, we're using interventions with strategies and supports. So the intervention coach and the teacher assistant that um, run the ISS program work solely on what the behavior was to get them there for the third time 
and talk to them about how they're going to change that behavior. And they, so they have a full day to talk about those kinds of things. Plus they keep up with their academic work. So they're working on the behavior and they're working on their academic work as well. So it's kind of twofold, which is really nice. The first two steps in the CR hallway is CR1 and CR2. And CR1 is more of a short process. Something happened in the classroom. You blew out of the classroom. You needed a hot pass to get out. You got frustrated by a peer or by a teacher or by the situation academically. And so you're down there and you're discussing it with the intervention coach and you're quickly getting back to class because we're trying to keep you in class as much as possible. The second time you come down is called a CR2. That time you want to talk a little bit more about what the behavior was and how you can change it. And then in addition to that, you're going to do some mindfulness. You can choose between mindfulness or some type of exercise or some type of work that may be down there in the CR2 hallway. So you get to choose from those three things. And you once you're complete with those, then you head back to your classroom. And then the third trip, obviously, we figured you've had three trips down here already today. So we're just going to keep you for the rest of the day so that we could talk about this behavior and how we're going to change it so that you can get back to the classroom successfully tomorrow morning. Yeah, I, I like that approach because it gives kids opportunities to course correct and to regulate themselves rather than, you know, just because a kid like says or does something or blows up in the class doesn't mean that they can't get back in there. Sometimes it does, but not all the time. And so, you know, if they're having those three in one day, then I, I certainly get that. But otherwise, you know, let's get them back into class. So how do you help your teachers accept those kids back into class? And what does that look like? Because obviously the teacher can be hurt and frustrated as well. So how do you help them to welcome those kids back in, even if they honestly probably don't want to? Always having that conversation with the teachers, I think is really important. So we have staff meetings and they have team time. They have team time every single day and staff meetings once a week at least, whether that means the high school staff is meeting together or the middle school staff is meeting together or we're all meeting together at one time. That's we continue the conversation about, you know, every minute is a new minute. Every five minutes is a new five minutes. Every half hour is a new half hour. So to make sure that we are just accepting those students in. Now, if we see the frustration in the student's mind, that teacher is against me or that teacher doesn't like me or they're continuing to have that frustration, we may keep them for the rest of that period and then we'll head them out to their next class so they can start fresh at the beginning of the class period instead of sending them back to that classroom so that they may start something over again because we don't want to set them up for failure either. We want to make sure that they're going to move out throughout their day positively. So we also have a few items that if students are exhibiting this behavior, then they'll automatically go to ISS. And those are the things that we are trying to stop so that they can get back to their neighborhood school. So that would be physical aggression towards any people or towards objects, which is like a chair, or a table, a book, a pencil, something like that. And then uh, verbal aggression as well. So threatening anybody, posturing anybody, acting like you're going to fight Either of those things are going to get you into automatic ISS for the day because we're trying to stop those, extinguish all of those behaviors so that you can get back to your neighborhood school. So we're isolating them from the rest of that population for the rest of that day so that we can start to work on changing those behaviors because it's so direct and you know so harsh for that neighborhood school to be able to accept something like that. We're trying to teach them to change those kinds of behaviors. 
Yeah. So when you when you have those conversations and walk through them with that, what are those strategies that you teach them how to use and things like that so that they can be successful back in their class at your school and then in their neighborhood school as well? A lot of the instances are students who say, well, they were saying that and the teacher didn't hear it or the staff member that, you know, that was there didn't hear it. And they only heard what I said. So my stance with students generally is, unfortunately, there are some times when staff members will see the reaction instead of the action that started the entire process. So the kid may be mumbling under his breath or, you know, tossing a piece of paper at another student, but the reaction is what gets the focus. And that's how that student reacts. So what I talk to students about is saying very loud and being very proud about saying, don't do that. I don't like it. And I say, if you say that that loud, then the focus is going to go back onto the action that occurred. So I want the students to be able to advocate for themselves that way instead of to react to the student or to someone else in such a physical way that they're getting called on all of those reactions. So I'd rather them be an advocate for themselves, of course. Yeah. And it's funny because my kids are at that stage right now where they are learning that if they say ow loud enough, then the other person will get in trouble. (laughs) So (laughs) so yeah, yeah, there's, there's still that idea. That's, that's funny. So with some of those things, like you're having those conversations, but then, you know, these kids are still struggling What types of plans and programs do you have the kids use on a daily basis to track their own behavior so that they can can be in control of choosing a better way? We have a check-in and check-out system for all of our students because we are kind of, we're a tier three school is what they call us, you know, for MTSS, we're tier three in behavior, but we consider we have tier one, two, and three within our tier three school. So um, our check-in and check-out for students that have a high number of those physical or verbal aggressions are checking in and out with teachers every single period. And the first period of every day, they're talking about what their goals are for the day. And that may be directly on their IEP, their behavior goals. And what are you going to do to make sure that we are moving through this day positively? And so then when they go to check out, tell me a little bit about how you feel you did um, as you move throughout this period. Or sometimes again, it's, you know, first period and seventh period. So then they'll be checking out seventh period. Tell me what you think was positive tell me what you think we can change. How do you think we can do that? So our staff members are already always collaborating with our students to come up with solutions so that they can change that behavior. But we're doing so many checkpoints during the day. I think it's all the data that we take is, it's enormous amount of data actually that we take. We take behavior data seven periods a day, you know, once a period, every single day. Academic data is once a week. So because we're focusing mainly on the behavior. But I think working with those students so closely, our staff members have their specific caseloads for every single student. So they build that relationship and they can learn and work together to change what they need to so that they can then get to their neighborhood school faster. We usually say, you can call a data review meeting at any time. Your parents can call a data review meeting or our, our staff can call a data review meeting if within the last four weeks, we haven't seen physical um, aggression or verbal aggression. And so we'll hold the meeting, we'll look at the data. And then if it looks really great, we're going to call in the neighborhood school so that we could start moving on this transitioning back to your neighborhood school. Sometimes we'll say, well, we're going to have to work on this, this, and this. And 
then we'll say, let's check it again in four weeks. And we'll set another meeting date for four more weeks so we could look at that again. And so when that time for transition comes, is that a, like, today they're at your school, tomorrow they're at the neighborhood school? What does a transition look like? So we have the data review with just our team and the parent and the student, of course, for the first meeting. If we decide that the data looks really good, we call a meeting with the neighborhood school. And that could take upwards of one to two weeks just based on their availability. And then the third meeting that we have, so there's a lot of meetings involved, but the third meeting that we have is at the neighborhood school. And we usually do that at a really good cutoff time, meaning a quarter or a semester. So the students are walking in kind of fresh. Like if they're in the middle school, going in at a quarter would be really nice because now they're starting some new concepts and we want to make sure that they're all on the same page as they move forward in that new quarter. Same with high schoolers you know, starting at that semester is going to be key for them to start that second semester class or even first semester, because sometimes we do it at the end of the year for the following year. So we want to make sure that they start off on a positive note, they don't feel behind, and that we could support them in that way, both behaviorally and academically. Cool. And so you're hoping that they will walk out the door prepared and ready to handle the pressures and stressors of the regular school? Exactly. And sometimes, you know, they'll self-sabotage because they have to wait a couple of weeks or, and maybe it's not self-sabotage. Maybe it's another student hearing that they're going to transition. So they may try to get their goat in some way, but we have great counselors at the school that work with our students that are about to transition every day. I mean, they work with all of our kids, of course, but they're reminding the students every single day, remember, we're having your meeting on this date and we want to make sure that we're keeping the behavior clean like it has been. We want to make sure that we're moving forward so that we could make that transition as soon as possible. So just little reminders at the check-in every day is helpful to them too. I mean, in fact, um, tomorrow we have seven different data reviews for students for next quarter. So we're pretty excited about that. Yeah. That's good. So pardon me if this sounds insensitive or inappropriate, but it it's, I've worked with people who have been, uh, addicted to drugs and alcohol and things like that. And what they find is that um, as they get closer to a big event in their life or a milestone that they haven't met before, that sometimes they do have relapses or self-sabotage things that happen at that time. And it sounds like that is partly something that you struggle with at your school with those kids as well. Is that is that accurate? Yes, it's very accurate. So we just, I think we kind of tightened down that support that we have with those students to make sure that we are reassuring them that what's happening is a positive thing. And sometimes it's a matter of the students leaving us feeling like they're not going to have any support anymore. For instance, they have three, three adults in the classroom right now, and they're going to go to their neighborhood school. And in science class, they may have one adult and then 25 students or more. So they get pretty scared about those kinds of things. So our, again, our counselors are really positive. We always try to send a staff if a student is feeling that way. I always send a staff with our life skills students to go for the first three to five days anyway. But for rotation students, we want them to be ready. But if they feel like they need the support from us, I will send my staff with them so that they can feel supported. And we also shore up some of those loose ends that you don't really think about when you're transitioning from one place to another or, you know, neighborhood schools don't think about those basic needs like we do all the time of students. 
free and reduced lunch? Are you making sure that you've applied for that or that you have that? Are you going to have lunch for that day? You know, are you going to have all the supplies that you need for the school? So we're there to make sure that that is happening once the student transitions onto their neighborhood school as well. Gotcha. So one might suggest that part of the challenge that these students face is that they are in a system that is not catered to their needs, that the curriculum is not written for them and the school doesn't do things to support them individually. Why are you using the same curriculum and the same, you know, courses as the regular schools in Anchorage School District and not doing something different for your students that are very different? We do have supplemental materials that we use with students. Of course, the accommodations modifications piece is really huge for our students as well. So making sure we learn how they learn best and that goes into their IEP so that if you read this IEP on the student, you know, J, you'll see exactly on the front page how he learns best, what strategies you could use, if there's frustration, what that looks like hot pass or a break, frequent breaks, what does that look like? How many? We also take that on that. So we have all of this information that we can give to the neighborhood school on how we modify that curriculum for that student so that they feel successful. And the Anchorage School District does a great job of doing the same things. They offer the resource classes if necessary for students that in every single subject area. So if, for instance, if they go to East High School and they have maybe some reading difficulties, they might be able to go into those resource classes for all of their core subject areas, but they're still getting the credits that they need, but they're reading at their ability level for them because they're using that um, replacement type curriculum that we also use at, at Whaley School that is approved by the district. Gotcha. So the the last question that I have is, What is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal like you, Robin? I think, especially in the big schools, um, because I'm so small, I think it seems very easy to build the relationships, the close, knowing my students, those close relationships. I think getting out there into the hallways and making sure that you are making sure that every student feels important and every student is wanted at your school all the time. Excellent. That sounds very good. How can people learn more about you, about your school, and what you're working on? Um, If you go to the Anchorage School District and uh, the website there, and you go to schools and scroll all the way down to the bottom to Whaley, you can see some information on our website. You could give us a call at the number listed there or come in. And we're also having a gala to, it's our third year that we have a gala in silent auction. And it's for us to let our community know exactly what we do, what resources we connect with, and how our families can connect with those resources as well, so that they feel supported too, and how important the work is that we do each and every day. Very cool. Excellent. So that is asdk12.org slash Whaley, W-H-A-L-E-Y. Definitely go and check that out. I love the pictures that you've got on your website and how supportive and awesome your school looks. So thank you again, Robin, for being part of Transformative Principal. No, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE.